Let's hear from one of our latest sponsors, Max One. As you know by now, Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. With all these useful features for one low price, I can't emphasize enough the value Max One can bring to your program, especially as the summer months heat up and you continue to plan your off-season. I know how hard it is to keep your athletes engaged once summer hits and your team starts to head in different directions. I'm confident Max One can solve these problems for you and keep your program connected to help ensure you run the most effective off-season as possible. Max One allows you to create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached and deliver them right into your athlete's phone, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts. And you can then combine these workouts into an entire off-season program tailor-made to fill the weeks leading up to your season so that your athletes stay in the gym all summer long. You can even track your athletes' progress on the Max One leaderboards to see the work your team is putting in, keeping everyone on the team accountable while encouraging a culture of competition. I also love how the calendar feature allows you to keep everyone in your program on the same page. Workouts, schedules, open gym, or tournament games can all be organized via color-coded schedules, ensuring your athletes are in the loop with details on whatever events you have planned this summer. To learn more about how Max One can help you run your program this offseason, head to their website at gomaxone.com. That's go, M-A-X, one O-N-E dot com. And schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max One program specialist. As always, mention that Coach Brendan Sir sent you and receive a special discount if you decide to purchase. Again, visit www.gomaxone.com right now to schedule a free demo. You won't be disappointed. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the Coach Brendan Sir and excited today, Will Weaver who is the head coach of the Long Island Nets, the G League team of the Brooklyn Nets, who had a little splash on Sunday in free agency with Durant and Kyrie, uh, and now is the new head coach of the Sydney Kings in the NBL, the Australian Professional League. Uh, he will be a speaker at Coaching You this week. He is young, he's dynamic, he's bright, and I think you're really going to enjoy him. I wanted to share a podcast with you before Monday, for those of you that are coming, and I think you're really going to enjoy Will Weaver. Now, uh, remember, those of you that want to sign up, you can do it online. Go to coachingyoulive.com, and you can do that. Uh, and then, hopefully, you know, make sure you hit us. You, you might ha- We might have a few spots left that you can register and sign up at the door. But obviously, I wouldn't fly to Vegas unless you know you're going to be able to get in. We only have limited number of spots. So please sign up. We have a few spots left. It's going to be one of our best. We're going to announce uh, you know, today that I'm telling you first that John Beeline, the new head coach of the Cleveland Cavs, will be our speaker at our event. So you don't want to miss Coach Beeline. Okay? Now... After this break, you're going to hear Will Weaver. Fast Model Sports is the world's most comprehensive, versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, Fast Draw. 
FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scout reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I'm so excited that today... Uh, we have a really cool guest because he covers so many things. Will Weaver is the new head coach of the Sydney Kings in the NBL, which I think, you know, with the Euro League and the NBL, the Australian uh, Professional League, they're the two best leagues outside the NBA. And uh, when you hear some of his background, I think you'll be absolutely amazed. So we have a very young great looking young coach uh, he's the, he's 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 uh he's a really really special one thank you so much for uh for visiting this morning i was trying to lay out and let you finish but no, I I, you know i'm a good looking you got me yeah no i i you know i, I your wife will listen to this and she'll roll her <laughs> yeah, eyes to, you know <laughs> yeah does he know you uh thank you for having me coach oh you know, it's really it's my pleasure honor. you know and i think uh, one of the really uh neat things uh you know, next week you're going to speak at our phenomenal event that we have in Vegas every year, uh, you know, our Coaching You event. And and what I've been trying to do with Kevin Eastman over the last 11 years is try to, you know, we, we started this as an incredible professional development for coaches because unfortunately, especially at the collegiate level, there's really not a lot of development. At the professional level, it's all basketball, so there's a lot of development, not of players, but of yourself. And it's basketball all the time. And I, I find that a, a lot of the coaches at the college level really struggle with this. You've been at all the levels. You've, you've been a college guy. You've been a, you know, an assistant with NBA teams. You've been a head coach in the G League as well as being a national team coach of Australia for many years now. So, you know, that is what our purpose is. And what I want to do is reflect on some of those for you, Will. But tell me this. On Sunday, I hate to date, I usually don't date our podcast, but Sunday was the most extraordinary thing in my 40 years being involved in the NBA that I've ever seen was free agency in the NBA. I have never seen anything go like it so quickly. As a member, you know, of the Brooklyn Nets this year organization, what you had to be thinking when you when you saw it all coming down. Incredibly proud and gratified of all of the tiny positive steps that were made by Sean and Kenny first and foremost, but um, the moments that add up over time and give you an opportunity to crawl out of obviously a big hole, you know, when we all showed up at HSS training center three years ago, uh, there was a lot to do. And the only way you do a lot of stuff is you take 
positive steps over and over and over again. So, um, you know, some of those things are splashy and fun and big and will get reported on and other things are just, you know, having a group of people that can settle down and focus on, um, a conversation that, you know, one of our, our director of scouting, Matt Riccardi might come in after a bad loss in year one and say, Hey, look, there's a kid that plays for the Pistons G league team that we kind of like, we should think about maybe bringing in, we have to cut this other guy, but do any of you have ever heard of Spencer Dinwiddie? And we have a discussion that of course ends up being a huge part of this whole thing is finding a, a, a diamond like him and bring him into the mix. Joe Harris, you know, like bringing him in, um, staff members like Jacques Vaughn and Chris Fleming and Adam Harrington and, and all those folks. And for it to all culminate, of course, in bringing somebody that I have a ton of love and affection for and, and Kevin, um, back from when we overlapped at the university of Texas for a year, it's very special. And, um, uh, it, it's going to be a fun place to visit and a home away from home for me and my family forever. You know, uh, you know, when Kenny got the job and, and Sean took over, you know, you, you, you know, as friends of Kenny, I, you know, I felt badly for him. You know, hey, God, this is a guy's first job. And boy, degree of difficulty, unmatched. Hi. <laughs> unmatched. I mean, you know, and so, but he took a really unique approach. And that being an emphasis on player development, the most often used term, I think, <laughs> in basketball. You know, everyone, it's like everyone at every level, college Pro, yep. they oh yeah. What do you guys specialize? Oh, player development. Really, everyone, all every team at every level, and yet there are real degrees of difference. And you guys happen to have one of them. The player improvement has been startling. I think as an outsider, uh, what? How does that happen? Where's the emphasis come from? You know, get, share if you would. I remember hearing Gino Ariema talk on one of your mm-hmm. clinics DVDs. You know, years ago about there's two kinds of coaches, the ones who coach great players and ex-coaches. And that is absolutely the case. And you only have so many levers to pull. So the biggest lever is clearly um, attracting great players, right? You Mm -hmm. sign Kyrie and Kevin and Garrett Temple and those guys who are are truly those. Um, But another one, and one that you have a little more control over sometimes, is can you help guys improve? And so – I was lucky to watch Brett and Lloyd Pierce and Chad Iskey and Vance Wahlberg and Billy Lang and all those guys and get to be up close to see what that uh, process looked like. And uh, it was much the same. You know, we talked about the same things and and tried to institute the same types of systems and processes. Um, But Kenny is a very unique, um, hands-on individual skills coach and, um, his, I think in particular, the way he watches film with guys and the way that he can sit in a room and cut to the heart of what's actually going on in the game. Um, I think that that resonates with players. And I think that, uh, the same could be said for each member of our coaching staff. You, you would walk into our gym in the mornings and I think it looks like a lot of San Antonio coaching tree gyms with, um, vitamins, right? Like you've got individual skill work going on, but I think that, the maybe the difference is when the day is done and you're walking to maybe go grab lunch, Jock and, and Karis LeVert are still, you know, leaning up against the, the pads 
having a conversation and you get done with lunch and you walk back through and Jock and Karis are still there having a conversation. And then you walk into Brett Brielmeyer's office and Jared Allen's in there and they're watching YouTube videos of world war two footage. And you're like, what's going on there. Right. And they're talking about a artillery and trying to establish your base and getting locked into the ground and get power to your shot. There's just all these kinds of rich moments um, that I think really reflect a holistic approach, which is what Kenny has described it as and i think that's um i think that's accurate and that's certainly the kind of thing that uh, we're hoping to try to bring into our program in sydney and i think you see the fruits of that labor in guys across the board joe harris damari carroll spencer obviously d'angelo russell on and on you know what you gave me a, a thought right there you know you know back in the day uh you know people thought it was the drill you know, is Kevin Eastman with chairs out there and, you know, dribbling around and doing things around chairs and stuff like that. And what I think you were saying, re- referring to Jacques, who I've known forever, is it's really about start. It, you can't start player development unless you have a relationship, right? Yeah, I think it's the you're looking for things, you're looking for multipliers, like you're looking for stuff that um, not only affects today's workout but affects tonight's dinner choice and time to go to sleep and um, degree of engagement when their agent or their aunt texts them about them not playing enough you know like those things going on I remember Mick Cronin talking about one time how every guy on the bus that you get on after a game is unhappy except for maybe the guy that led you in scoring. And they're all getting text messages every time about the fact that coach is screwing you and not recognizing that and not being able to um, talk openly with your players about the reality that they live in, especially in the NBA, especially in New York city um, is naive. And so I think that working to, first of all, getting the character of people both on the coaching staff and on the playing group, which is, I think is something that Sean and Trajan did an amazing job of um, recruiting both parts of that equation, but also the, the way and the time that's devoted to interacting and connecting uh, in a real way, in an honest way that says, look, I, I could be fired tomorrow. You could be traded tomorrow, but, in the meantime, while we're both here, let's try to help you get rich. Like, let's try to help you have as long a career as you possibly can. And that that's good for me too. And that we should be, you know, we're aligned in these ways. And and that means I need to tell you the truth and you need to tell me really what's going on and how you're feeling. And um, I I think Brooklyn's program did an amazing job of, of creating an environment where those kinds of conversations could happen. You know, I think also culture is a term that is, you know, used in every business you know, every industry, every team, uh, and it's one of those things, everyone has one, but boy, they're a son of a gun to try to, to really build a healthy one. Uh, how do you build one when, when none existed, right? I mean, and, 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 you know, and you're going into as a head coach, you know, both, you know, when you were coaching the G League team at Long Island, uh, and now going to be a young head coach in another country, uh, how do, how do, how will you try to go and establish culture? I think that I believe you are the sum of your actions. And I think that the, um, moments that you have, uh, 
with the people you're going to work with, those are additive and those are either going to create uh, trust or start to help that trust erode. And um, some of those things you, you're not going to be able to control. I mean, there's only going to be so many minutes to a lot and those are going to go up and down and that's going to mean that there's just going to be tension uh, in every season. But if you can forge a real connection with people, um, you know, I'm, I'm not criticizing you as a basketball player by choosing to bring you off the bench or choosing to not sub you back into the game right now. I'm trying to do something that you understand is my role on this team. And so, um, you know, my role as a head coach is to create an environment where good things happen and um, let create an environment where people can achieve their, the goals that they share with us. And so a lot of the early conversations with our players and coaches and strength coaches and um, scouts and all down the line are just where you, where you want to go, like how you, where are you trying to head? Um, and that was something that I really internalized working alongside Sam Hinkie and the way that he went about an interview process to really try to get to the heart of who are you? Like, what are you, why do you want to be here? And <laughs> does that fit with what we're trying to get from you while you're here? And there were oftentimes people would say, I, I really want to be, um, I know I'm here interviewing to be a analyst or a scout or, and I, but I really want to be a assistant coach someday. It's like, Oh, cool. Tell me more. Like, and there might be a total departure from why the introduction happened on the face of it and where it ended up going because he knew that people that are really motivated and excited to be chasing their dreams, they're going to, they work harder, they work longer, they are more unselfish, they're more focused, they're more dogged. Um, and so if you're signing a power forward and um, you see him as a backup, like you should tell him, I think, and you should say, this is, this is how I see it now. And I'm, I'm super open to my mind. You've changed my mind, but I think that very often, particularly in recruiting, right? Like college, I feel like this is a, just a story as old as time. It's, you recruit a guy and then you get him, and then you just move on to the next guy and tell him all the same stuff you told the last guy. And that's, I think, makes it really challenging for there to be a level of trust in the program and for that kind of um, good juju to <laughs> turn into something that, if you win enough games can be called win called, called culture retroactively. After, after this break, I want to come back and I want to talk more about the Sixers because your experience there was absolutely fascinating to me. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. 
To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Well, when you went to the Sixers, poor Brett Brown, poor Brett Brown, <laughs> that guy went through things where I would call friends of mine and say, I feel for that guy. Because the thing that I, when I say, hey, I don't feel sorry for any NBA coach with what they get paid, but I really felt sorry for him because he didn't have any players. By design, he didn't have any players. There was no chance for him to, to really win. But the guy, every night, his team competed, and at the same time, God, he was so positive after every loss. What was it like to be with him? Such an education and such a, again, rich learning environment for me to come from having been involved with college programs, too, at that point, and some high school and middle school coaching before. But, um, yeah, thrown into a, something that felt normal because it was all I knew. But, of course, with the, the lens of time, you can see that it was pretty unique. Um I feel like I've never been around someone that was a better communicator than Brett. Amazing to the team, amazing to ownership, amazing to the media, amazing to fans. He met with season ticket holders almost, I want to say, every single home game we had the entire time I was there. I'm pretty sure that's right. And, Incredible. Um, that was because he understood you know, his sort of – marching orders like what he really focused on was what's most important and that was something that i to this every day think about for our teams like all right i could spend a bunch of time watching film on our you know the, the last player on our roster that we're trying to sign or i could text casper Ware and see how andrew bogut's flight from san francisco to melbourne was and check on his family and, and i feel like that at the end of the day is going to give me a chance to connect with those guys um, more deeply. And that's what I saw Brett do. I, he, he connected with uh, Joel and Mike Carr Williams and Robert Covington and um, guys that, you know, most of them are still in the NBA or around the periphery of the NBA. Um, but to one of them is my starting point guard in Sydney and Casper. Um, and so good they, player too. <laughs> Brett, I think, was great at bringing energy to those important moments, a film session, a pregame talk, um, a trip to the uh, Hayden Planetarium here in New York City where we got to spend time with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And instead of practicing that day, we, you know, in New York, we just went and took a field trip. Like those kinds of moments and creating those kinds of opportunities and, and moment, touch points for our guys, I think is something Brett did amazingly well. And I think it's worth noting that before he went out and talked to the media and was so positive, he came into the coach's office after a lot of those games and said words that can never be repeated. And yeah. those 8 a.m. coaches meetings after those ass kickings that we were getting were pretty bleak. So, um, you know, he, he felt all those things, but he was able to keep his eyes on the prize. And because of that, you know, there were lots of times where maybe one of the best lessons he taught me was, um, listening to one of his assistant coaches 
tell him how bad the players were and that he needs to be easy on himself when he'd say, man, this play is no good. Like, well, you know, somebody would say, well, you know, what do you expect? Like, you can't shoot. Like, your play was all right. <laughs> no, nah, but what if he could shoot? Like, what if yeah. what if our players were great? What if we had LeBron? Like, would we? What would the, should this play look like? And though that was going on again and again and again, in terms of the plays we ran and the practices that he designed and the way that we scouted, um, I've never met someone probably more self-critical than Brett. And that was a huge learning lesson for me in my first three years in the NBA. Uh, you know, for the, our listeners around the world, uh, just so you know, this is an authentic, real podcast where we are doing this so uh, Will is live in New York City, right in Midtown. Can you hear the songs? Oh, and I love it because yeah, I, baby. I, I lived there for five. I lived there for five years with the Knicks, so I my office was right at MSG, and so I loved it. I took the subway in from Westchester. Oh, this is fabulous! This is real stuff. So our Grind people, in New York, baby, our, our I'm people trying to bring in New York, New York people, to the people. Our people in Europe, our people in Australia, are going. What the hell is this? This is real, baby. This is real good I'm in stuff. My, my eight month old son's room too by the way this is the this is the quietest part of my apartment and that is no and the point and, and we're letting him still sleep that's even the more impressive part <laughs> <laughs> okay so now uh you mentioned before uh i was going to ask you uh andrew bogart who was the you know uh, an, an australian by birth uh you know the number one pick of the milwaukee bucks years ago and uh, played on golden state this year and played for the Sydney Kings this year. And was he the MVP of the league, I think? He was. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And had a great year. And if I'm not mistaken, is he not older than you? It's close. Yes. I had to look this up the other day I, I, because we were I, filling out our contact. Yeah, it's close. It's a few months. I've got him by a few months. Okay. Yeah. Now, and I've, I've coached players in the NBA that were older than me. And that, that is really fun. How'd you do it? Was it something you addressed? Hell No. No, yeah, no, no, no. Your hair was no. probably gray like mine. No, I, you know, so what happened was I, uh, you know, when I went to the Hawks, I was 27. I had Tom McMillan, a Rhodes Scholar. I didn't understand what the hell he was talking about anyway, <laughs> you know. And, and and then, you know, at one point I was coaching the Magic, Chuck and I, and I had Danny Shays, our backup center, ended up our starting center, was 39. 39 yeah, right. years old. And, and you know, and you're sitting there and his wife says, well, you know, he didn't play the last three seasons. The coach wouldn't use him. So he's really got three years left in him. Really? That's how you're figuring it. And so, you know, I mean, so the thing is, how do you win over older veteran players? That's a, that's a question. Uh, in the NBA, at any level, uh, you know, and I think it's a unique thing. What What's your, how do you do it? Whether it's, even in the G League, you, you know, you have players that are veterans, you know? Yeah, right. So practice helps, right? Just being able to um, understand what is the arc of a professional career and mm -hmm. try to um, empathize with that. You know, I, w I wasn't a professional basketball player. And so, um, again, this is a Coach Messina idea that has I've kept with me for many years, um, which is that the challenge of um, a guy like me is that I don't know what it feels like to be in the locker room before a professional championship game and feel that anxiety and have the hopes of the team riding on my performance. Um, but the benefit and the challenge of folks that have walked in their shoes is I don't project myself onto them. You know, I, I can meet them where they're at and try to 
I don't pretend to know what that feels like. And, um, I feel like I can, uh, have a conversation with Andrew about how exciting the Warriors opportunity was mm-hmm. and learn about what that was like to get that phone call. And, um, similarly, you know, talk about he's in the last year of his contract with us. Like, what do you, what, what really turns you on? Like what's excites you at this stage? Like, you know, you probably got, I don't know, two, three, four years left. Like what, um, what are you trying to achieve? And I, I think that the, the same thing goes for the 19 year old that mm-hmm. um, we're recruiting right now is um, look, time is undefeated and, and I'm here to maximize the time that the limited time that you have, you know, that's my goal. And by the way, it's not me just being a great guy. Like that's going to help me get better jobs and help me be able to get my family a nice place to live. And so um, in some ways I think coaching professionally is a little more straightforward than collegiately or, or with uh, youth players, because you can have that real straightforward conversation about, um, look, an aspect of this is our livelihoods and how we can be good for each other. And you can know that if I'm, I'm telling you this, it's because I think it's important for the success of our team, which I've told you is what is my driving principle and why I'm, why I'm employed in the role that I have. And I can understand that if you tell me that something it's because it affects your livelihood and what you're trying to do. And so I think there's some mutual respect that can happen with Elton Brand, who came into the Sixers while I was there, and Jason Richardson, guys that uh, have a few years on me, wow. and I, I like to think can happen much the same way with, um, you know, Kwani Kwani, one of our younger players in Sydney that we've signed. Let me ask you. Okay, so now you've been, you know, you you've got the collegiate background, um, all the way back with Rick Barnes, uh, you know, but now you've been exposed to the NBA and at a really cool high level with really good young coaches but now you get when you got to to the Long Island Nets as your that was your first head coaching job at the professional level how did you did you get freedom from Kenny and Sean to say you can do what you want or we want you to do run a lot of what we have how does how does that work now I was lucky that um, the time I spent with the Sixers and and Brooklyn, I, I had my uh, I had the chance to be really connected to the organization broadly, and so I would sit in performance staff meetings, and I would spend a lot of time with the scouts and their draft prep, and I would spend time in the around the analysts and trying to understand quantitatively what they were trying to study and build and tools that they could, that we could create that would help the coaching staff and help the help management. And so um, part of that was paying attention to the G league and understanding broadly what opportunity is there. If you do that, well, Um, there really weren't a lot of conversations about the specifics because I think there was a real clear, connection to the big ideas, you know, the the big rocks as Sean Marks calls them. So, um, the big rocks, you know, if you're going to create a list of priorities, which I think lots of folks do, I feel like the thing that maybe, um, really good decision makers do differently is they do a good job of tiering those priorities. So it's not just, 
I'm trying to do one and two and three, and it's, it's, you know, twice as much effort on one and, um, on down the line, it's maybe there's 10 times as much effort that needs to go towards priority one and maybe priorities two and three are pretty close and you should spend roughly the same amount of time. So because you, because you have that North star, it's easy to make decisions, I, I think. And I think that they were the reason they put me in that role is because they had a lot of confidence that I was going to be able to bring what was going on in Brooklyn to Long Island. And I was going to create an environment where Theo Pinson, John and Musa could go back and forth. And if Alan Williams needed to play 10 minutes for Brooklyn um, and then catch a flight to Maine and meet us and play and then come back to Salt Lake and meet them back on the road and play again. Like he was going to feel comfortable, um, not just because of the names of the plays, mm-hmm. uh, but because of a more fundamental uh, alignment with what's going on in how we prepare, how we review and how we execute um, the things that the Nets believe help win basketball games. So I, I think the alignment and the understanding of those priorities is really what allowed our program to flourish was because it, it felt not only logical intrinsically, like it felt like it made sense to everybody, but it also, you know, look, Taj McCall, you do a great job for us. And Brooklyn's going to notice because it's going to be easy for them to see what you do here can be brought to them. Mitch Creek was the same way. So those guys getting call-ups, I think, were, um, of course, mostly about them being great players and great teammates. But there's also, it makes it easier when they can look down and see, oh, yep, they're, they can work in center field and avoid screens and do things much the same way that we do here in Brooklyn. After this break, I want to come back and talk to you about Mitch Creek because I'm very interested in him, and I know you are too. This podcast is brought to you by MetPro, a world-renowned concierge nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle coaching company. MetPro is a proven platform to help people transform their bodies. Metabolic profiling is a process that allows MetPro to get a baseline to see exactly how your body is responding against a very specific set of variables. Their experts are trained to take those results and translate that into simple action steps. What you should eat, how you should train, and what your strategy should be to obtain your goals. MedPro's coaches are not only educated experts in their field, but they're empathetic to people that have demanding schedules and often stressful lives. They will work with you one-on-one to help you identify the best nutrition and fitness strategy that is going to work for your personal goals and lifestyle needs. And as a Coaching You listener, you can receive a complimentary metabolic profiling assessment and a 30-minute consultation with a MetPro expert. To claim this offer, head over to metpro.co slash coaching you. Again, that's metpro.co slash coaching you to receive your free assessment and consultation with a MetPro coach. Will, Mitch Creek is an Australian, okay? And is Bloody off. Uh, I'm sorry? Bloody oath. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta get, I, I, I've only been there once, and uh, so I, I got to get our, our, our verbiage down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but Sydney was my favorite city, though. Oh, There you go. Good uh, taste. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about Mitch Creek. Because I, 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 I follow on social media, I follow all my Aussie friends there, and they talked about him. Was he going to make it? Was he going to make it with the Nets and stuff? Now, he played for you this year, right? 
Yeah, that's right. With Long Island, and um, we had a chance to spend some time together with our national team in the FIBA qualification windows that uh, have been going on the past couple of years that got us into the World Cup. Talk about those, because I think that is absolutely the way that crazy FIBA qualification <laughs> crazy, I mean, it's right. the most insane thing I've ever heard. Uh, you know, it'd be like stopping, it'd be like having that you know, Olympic hockey trials during the winter, during our season with NHL and then, you know, none of the teams and, you know, with players from the NHL would qualify, you know. Uh, so tell me how did, how did, how was that managed? And how, did, how was your role? How were you able to escape from, were you doing it from Philly or from Brooklyn when you were able to do Yeah, uh, Brooklyn. So the, the yeah. way the qualifications worked the past couple of years, it's been while I was in Brooklyn. Um, and it meant that there were some, some days that we would uh, land on the road in Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, there was a, a game maybe late that night, uh, you know, three or four in the morning in Qatar. And so I would set my alarm and wake up and uh, watch that game, give some feedback, um, get another hour of sleep, and then get ready for shoot around and, and our Long Island game. But all you need to know about Mitch is in the middle of our G League season, coming out of the All Star break, um, you know, in his first time going through a, a fifty game season, appreciably more games than he's used to having played in Australia. Sure. Um, there was never a question that he was flying to Kazakhstan to meet our Australian team um, to be a part of a group of guys that um, were were diminished in who we could select because of the timing of the NBL playoffs right. and, and the meeting that those guys couldn't participate. And so he said, look, it's important that I go because I'm going to be really the most senior veteran kind of established guy. And, um, there's a lot of folks because they didn't put their hand up. Mitch said, look, well, I'm doing it. And by the way, I'm going to talk Isaac Humphreys into doing the same thing with the Erie Bayhawks. And so they got on a flight together from JFK, flew to Kazakhstan, practiced for, I had two practices, played in Kazakhstan, got on a flight, I think the, that late that night, went to Tehran, um, had a practice in Tehran, and then played against Iran before flying back to New York and playing in a game for us, I think, two days later. Um, so Mitch is just the epitome, I think, of, um, what is so attractive and so exciting for me about coaching in Australia is there's a, a, uh, the norm is unselfish. The norm is commit committed. Um, the idea of mateship, you know, the fact that they all they say, call everybody mate that comes from the idea and really sort of a, a founding principle of their of their culture, specifically in sports, that um, being someone's mate is meaningful. And that means that if he goes over the bar, you go over the bar, you know, and, and that that's just mm. part of it. Now, it also means that you look him in the eye and tell him that he's an idiot for getting in the bar fight. But you're if he's in the bar fight, you're in the bar fight. And so um, coaching him was such a privilege to have the connection to one of our players before the season started was, of course, helpful to me being in this new environment in the G league. Um, and I was so excited to let him show what he's capable of, um, in a league like the G league and what that's grown into and the platform it's provided for guys to really carve out opportunities for themselves. And I'm, 
I'd bet dollars to donuts that he's um, a part of the Minnesota Timberwolves roster next year because um, there's when I talked to Ryan Saunders when Mitch joined them and I said, look, there's going to be the first couple of days you're going to think it's fake. It's that good. Like he's going to say things that you're going to be like, this dude's just being trying to suck, suck up basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real. It, it's going to take a while for you to realize it's real, but it's real. And so, um, enjoy it because it's rare. Rare is the time that you're going to get a guy who is going to be texting your best player to look, that weight session was crap. Like we got to figure out a way to, we got to step it up a bit and and maybe he uses humor or maybe he chides him or maybe he begs him or, but he's going to figure out a way to help Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins get better. And that's what he did for us. And so, um, that's I'm excited great. to go to a place where there's there's lots more people and players like that. A lot of U.S. coaches like myself, <clears throat> we're not academic scholars, but <laughs> I did recognize that Kazakhstan and Tehran were not uh, outside Jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so like you were in Tehran, like in Iran, Tehran? So our our team or, or was team I wasn't was. able to make you were, those, you were coaching uh, windows the, because of the game. So yeah. I, the only windows that I was able to be a part of were last summer before gotcha. summer league. So I, I traveled to Japan and the Philippines with our team, um, which are a lot better than those other, other two during our regular season. Yeah, I mean that that is just incredible, and uh, you know uh, to do that, and what an experience it brings. You know, and and talk about let's let's go to the Boomers for a second here. I know. Talk about what it's been like to be involved, you know, to be involved as an American with another team's national program. What an honor, first of all, you know, but but their culture is so, I think it's fabulous. But I'd, as I told you the other day, I'd move there tomorrow. But, <laughs> you know, I really would. I, I think I'm still just, looking for an assistant. Okay, Brandon, keep don't, me don't in, tease me. Yeah, keep me in mind, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but talk about uh, what it was like uh, to be with guys that are, and and a, and a terrific coach uh, that you know and and what that whole experience is like and how does that help a coach as a, in your growth and development? I think I'm flooded with, of course, memories and connections to the past five years that I've been a part of that program, um, and even the chance that even the fact that Brett and Andre were really willing to provide the professional development opportunity for me back in 2014, just to volunteer and be around their team as they were open to that, I think uh, suggests what sort of uh, people and, and coaches they are. Um, but yeah, as you say, I, I've been the lone foreigner with the boomers uh, for half a decade and um, it's the most fun coaching I can ever imagine having. And that's born directly out of the, the individuals that are a part of the program and the individuals that built this program that we get to steward. And so um, the specifics of that and the thing that really opened my eyes to a different way of coaching and a different way of organizing a team um, is directly from Andre's experience coaching the New Zealand Breakers to three championships um, and really appropriating a model from AFL football, Aussie rules football, that uh, many, many years ago started something. Uh, Ray McLean started this company called Leading Teams, and it was really the idea of facilitating culture. And so um, it, the way it plays out is that uh, meetings have less 
of the head coach talking and more of the players talking um, that at least in the boot case of the boomers um, and, and Andre's teams, like there isn't a team captain that there are times where each of us are going to have to lead and each of us are going to have to listen and follow. But um, the, the real clear sort of governing principle that I think is brilliant and that um, we still use to this day is, is the establishing of a, a trademark that's specific to that group and will change from time to time, but something that each player signs onto and says, look, these are the, these are the agreed upon uh, principles that we think are going to lead to our success. And so let's define that, what that success looks like. And then let's really put in paper, you know, put on in stone, what is something that I can count on from you? Because I don't have to really like you to be a good teammate. I don't mm-hmm. have to think you're enjoyable to have lunch with, to recognize that, we both have to contribute to this goal. And if we do, then we can, there's respect that can be found there. So um, the way that Aaron Baines and Patty Mills talk to each other oftentimes reflects that trademark and that um, set of principles that we can always point back to, you know, were we relentless? You know, was, was this, does this what relentless rebounding looks like? Um, is this what relentless scouting looks like? You know, did we do a good enough job? Were you prepared? Did we, we fucked up the play calls? Like we didn't get the call right. And so how relentless was our preparation on your behalf? So it's a way to sort of three, you know, everyone 365, um, say, look, the standard is this and we're below that standard or above that standard. And that we just believe that if we're above that standard consistently, that we're going to be successful. Does, uh, is a trademark the like a, the word that you just said like you know uh, you know a word like that yeah it's a set of things it could yeah. be you know give me examples yeah. competitive yeah. um flexible okay. um traits that you know we have seen again and again they come out in successful teams it again it doesn't people might you sit in a room you might come up with 50 right but yeah. there's two or 10 that really resonate for a group. And um, after a major tournament, we would think we'd think back about it and we'd have a conversation about, does this still suit us? You know, did we learn anything in that experience in that campaign that would make us want to adjust it moving forward? And and we've done that with the boomers. Um, But again, it just, it creates this, I think, easier way to, I'm not, I'm not saying that, and you're why we lost. I'm saying that we said before this all started, we agreed upon the fact that um, we were going to handle ourselves in this way. And just because the bus is late doesn't mean that you're going to lose your mind and make it harder for me to stay mentally ready to play this game in two hours. You know, that's just part of what major tournaments present is those kinds of challenges. And we, we knew that going in. And so if you start to lose your mind, I might remind you and say, "Hey, Brendan, right? Like we said, we're going to be flexible here. Like, let's not lose our head." Yeah. So, like you guys, roughly maybe are starting practice at around August one of this year. Your national team, uh, that's right. Get ready for the World Cup. Uh, like, will Andre Lamana said that at that at that first meeting is he going to get together and the players and he and the staff and everyone decides what your trademarks and principles no are going to be? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's and cool. It's been an ongoing thing. You know, the group the composition of the group changed with these FIBA qualifiers going yes. on, right? We didn't have Bainesy and Patty and Deli and those guys. 
but we thankfully, you know, Rio in 2016 still burns pretty hot in our head. Yes. There's going to be guys that were a part of those qualification windows, Creaky being one of them, that can report to the group and say, look, you know, what we really have learned is that for our playing style, um, we need to be a bit more this or a bit less this. Or um, We found a lot of success in, in trying to capture this kind of energy around our defense or our execution and, and, and you're that's the way a program evolves. And, and, uh, Andre and your, you guys are going to add some new people. One of my guys, you know, Ben Simmons, you're adding, you know, as Go well. Go Tigers. Yeah, baby. I wish we did. <laughs> but, you know, was, but, you know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, uh, you'll find is that he's obviously an Aussie, but he's very Americanized now <laughs> to put it mildly. Uh, and, you know, and, and he has not been part of the, men's national team uh culture for a while yes and so i think this is going to be like a little jolt to him and i think a good one that he deserves a little bit you know i I think he's going to be a jolt for us too yeah we have so much to benefit from um you know it's like a it's a family reunion in a way and you you know aaron baines has been a part of these rock of these celtics teams and he's a different player than he was when much different kicking ass for us before he signed in Detroit when he was just a bench guy in San Antonio on those championship teams. And then he's a, a big piece of what they do. Yep. And much better player. Grown, I think now much he better. grows and he learns and he comes back to us with, Hey, you know what? Like coach Stevens does this shit and it's good. Like we should think about it. And we say, great. So that was a big yeah. part of the last month was reaching out to all those guys before training camp started and saying, Tell us what you like. Like, tell us what that's great. What what's been the best stuff that you've done that we need to steal? And by the way, tell us what, upon reflection, you hated about what we did in Rio the last time we were all together. Um, and that kind of collaboration, I think, just leads to buy-in and leads to excitement that everyone's going to get a chance to participate and that the best idea is going to get carried forward. And, yeah. Um, back to your culture question, like that, I think is as close to a. Um, a bellwether is anything. You know, I think Andre, who has known Ben for years, and and David Patrick, who's his godfather, and you know, you know, has just an incredible relationship. I was a, the outsider; had never I I saw him on TV play in high school, didn't know him worth a thing. But after one season with him, I literally told every NBA team that was going to have a chance to pick him. Not not you know thirty teams, but really, I thought that he was. There wasn't, he wasn't even, it was like Zion this year. There was only one player to consider, you know, everyone's saying all Brandon Ingram. It was only one player to consider. And having come in the the NBA the same year of, you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, I felt this is the player that I've never seen a player this ready to be in the NBA. He's the most developed player, the highest basketball IQ of any player that I've ever seen or coached in the NBA. That's how good he is. You speak to his being Americanized, but I think it's interesting that, you know, obviously his dad, Dave, um, who was a big part of his development and coaching him, you know, coming up and um, obviously got some some good genes there. He (laughs) expatriated from the U.S. many years ago and made Australia his home. And that's, I think, the beautiful part of the game as it sits today is just the – the way that Luka Doncic or Mitch Creek or 
Nico Miritich or um, Brock Modem or any of these guys that it really is a game for the world. And um, Ben is an incredible ambassador for not just Australia, but that sort of idea and the, the idea that, um, you know, there's, there's a big kangaroo. He may have some nice jewelry, but I think the nicest piece is a big old kangaroo that he's got hanging around his neck when he walks into a lot of NBA arenas. Exactly right. His brother Liam and, you know, like his family very much identifies and values the, the sporting culture that Australia has. And so as much as we can be a great, um, opportunity for Ben to showcase his skills in the world cup against the world's best. Um, there's a ton for us to learn about his experience in the playoffs last year and trying to work alongside Joel and Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. And we're studying, we just had a conference call yesterday where a lot of the time was spent trying to talk about how can we make Ben and our other players look good and when you got somebody as good as Ben is, that uh, there's there's more opportunities to do that than normal. So it's a lot of fun to think about. Well, I am so excited to have you at Coaching You next week. It is going to be fabulous on Monday the 8th in Vegas. Uh, and to learn from you and to learn uh, of all the things that you've picked up. I love that you're sharing your your. Even though you're young chronologically, man, you're an old soul. Keep it coming, Brendan. You're an old Keep soul, baby. I'll tell you what. You... I, quickly, I have to just give – I'm moving out of my apartment this week, and so I'm going back through these you know, notes and boxes of files and hard drives, and I found a manila folder that has about 60 pages of chicken scratch sitting from when I sat in the video room at the University of Texas when you and Kevin came and How about that? Um, helped us – sort of plan for how to retrofit our program at a really critical juncture um, for us. And so I know you guys have a consulting service where you guys go all over the country and do stuff, but I'm so excited to get to listen to the other coaches speak at coaching you. And I think it's such an incredible set of experiences, the podcasts, the conferences, the clinics. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it. And I'm really looking forward to benefiting from it myself. Well, well, I am so thankful. And again, thank you for sharing today. And again, look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Will. Amazing uh, content. And again, what a background for a young coach. You want to hear and listen to what some of the things he's going to teach. This guy is basketball, and he's bright, and he's going to give you some of the things that he's learned in a short amount of time. And I think you're really going to enjoy Will Weaver. Remember, you can sign up, go to online, coachingyoulive.com. And I think you can, you'll be able to register. It's $3.99 at the door. You're going to get video. You can get $375 in videos. You're going to get a Coaching You Dry Fit t-shirt. You're going to get a Coaching You notebook. You're going to get two meals with our staff and speakers. You're going to be able to, uh, you know, have dinner on the first night, lunch on the second. But, you know, most importantly, you're going to be courtside right up there watching our live demonstrations on the court. And you're going to be right up there listening. And so it's a limited number event that we only allow a certain number of people to come in. We just found this to be an incredibly effective way. Um, So, again, we look forward to seeing you on Monday. Make sure you register. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.